While we were his enemies, he laid down his son for each and every one of us. And that's the love that our Heavenly Father has for you. And so it's been uh, quite a uh, week. Uh, started last Sunday evening uh, with the Bengals losing in the Super Bowl. A disappointing outcome for many of you and much of the country. Uh, the Olympics are concluding and the United States are behind a few countries and got absolutely walloped uh, by the Norwegians. Uh, congrats to Norway. Uh, Russia is on the verge of taking over at least a portion of Ukraine, uh, and they are threatening uh, with their military, uh, which could certainly spiral into some negative uh, events. And uh, for me personally, to top it off, uh, this morning after taking a car to the shop uh, last week, my car wouldn't start this morning, so I was running late. Uh, so it's, there's nothing quite as bad as being late to basically my job, my work, and it just throws off the rest of the day. Uh, many of you guys maybe think that's karma uh, for me rooting for the Rams uh, last Sunday. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but it's not necessarily been the best week in the world uh, for many, many people. Uh, we can and uh, joke around our little struggles of cars not starting. But there's people around the world who have real struggles, real problems that they are facing uh, today. And uh, I don't know about you, uh, but I'm a bit of an optimistic person. I like to focus on the bright side, and I'm ready to hear some good news. Is anybody else ready to hear some good news? Yes. Amen. When I think about some of the best news that I have heard in my life, uh, my mind thinks of uh, the two occasions where Jamie told me that she was pregnant. Uh, That was great news that I received. Uh, When she told me, yes, that she would marry me after all my fears, that she would say, no, get away from me, you jerk. She said, yes, that was great news. Uh, The news that uh, you guys accepted me uh, to be your pastor, uh, that was great news for me. Uh, News that uh, the... Builders accepted our offer uh, to uh, buy the house from them. Uh, We all have very similar experiences of receiving great news, whether that's news of a child, of a relationship, of a job, of a home, whatever it may be. And that's great. We love all of that good news. But all of this great news doesn't even begin to compare to the good news that is found in the Bible. And today, I'm super excited because today we get to talk about that good news that is found in the Bible. And we could do that as we continue our series on how to read the Bible. So last week, we finished up the Old Testament. We spent time going through the law. We spent time going through uh, the 12 books of history and the five books of poetry, five major prophets and 12 minor prophets. And so we finished up the Old Testament last week, and now these next two weeks, as we conclude this series, we're going to be talking about the New Testament. Um, And now there are a couple of differences that we should be made aware of as we transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Testament. When we're talking about the Old Testament, we read a lot about who God is. We learn about learn a lot about his character and how he interacts with his chosen nation of Israel. And it's awesome talking, reading about uh, how reckless the love of our God truly is, where he shows his love time and time and time and time again throughout the Old Testament. And as we transition into the New Testament, we don't really 
learn a ton about God. I may catch some of you guys by surprise, but we don't learn a lot about God in the New Testament. Rather, in the New Testament, the focus kind of shifts from God to the centerpiece of his plan. And the centerpiece of his plan is nothing other than his beloved son, Jesus Christ. And so if you want to learn about God, spend time digging through the Old Testament. If you want to spend time learning about his beloved son, Christ Jesus, then you should spend time digging into the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we spend a lot of time going through uh, the different timeline of events. I hope that some of those events, the sequence of events, has at least somewhat stuck in uh, your mind. And in that big sequence of events, we're covering about 2,000 years of history, of known history. That's not even clear. Including uh, the time before Abraham, and who knows how long before Abraham was the creation of the world. So, a minimum 2,000 years of history covered in the Old Testament. Things change in the New Testament. In the New Testament, we are covering a time period of less than 100 years. So these events are very compact. We, we get a little more detail in the New Testament of some of the events that are taking place, specifically the events in the life of Jesus Christ. As Jesus was born around zero AD, or, or a lot of people think around 4 uh, BC, and lived for about 30 years. And we have a lot of details within those 30 years in the life of Jesus. A lot more details than we have of any other time period in the Old Testament. Now, the Old Testament books, they are organized in different groups, much uh, like the New Testament. When we look through uh, the 27 books of the New Testament, we have four books of the Gospels. We have uh, the book of Acts. We have the Pauline epistles. We have the general epistles. And we have the book of Revelation. Acts and Revelation are often kind of viewed in their own regard as they are different from the surrounding um, books. And so today we're going to cover the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're also going to cover Acts today. And then next week we're concluding our series, How to Read the Bible. And we're going to take a look at the different epistles or letters written by Paul and other people, and then also take a look at the uh, book of Revelation. So as I mentioned, there's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now what does a gospel really mean? Many of us are probably uh, familiar that the gospel just means good news. So basically, these four books are claiming that they have good news to share with each and every one of us. And this, new, this is news that is exponentially better than anything else. Because unlike all the news that we receive outside of the Bible, like news that we're having a, a baby or um, that we're getting a house or a job or whatever it may be, that's all temporary. That lasts for a set amount of years whether that be your job, a home, a marriage, whatever it may be, they all have an end, every single one of those things. But the good news that's found in these gospels, the good news that's found in the Bible, it has no end. It literally lasts for an eternity. And not only is it an eternity, but it's an eternal age where everything wrong with this world is going to be made right, including death, and sorrow, and pain, and sickness. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for that day. I'm ready for that eternal age of God's coming kingdom. 
And these four gospels, they talk about this hope that we have in the kingdom. But even more so, they focus on how this hope of the kingdom is made possible to us. Because we learn that the wages of sin is death. We'll talk about that later, or you can read about that later uh, in the Pauline epistles. We all have sin. We all deserve death. So none of us deserve an eternal age where everything wrong with this world is made right. But we have an option. We have a hope. And that hope is found in the Gospels, and that hope is centered around the life of Jesus Christ who died for our sins so that we could be forgiven, we could be washed, we could be sanctified, and so much more so that we can put our hope in God's coming kingdom. And so these four books, it is all about Jesus. It's about his life, it's about his ministry, it's about his death, and it's about his resurrection. And so we're talking about the single most important figure in all of history. You want to know who he is, what he did, what he taught? Then these are the four best sources in the entire world. Anybody like history out there? A handful of you guys. This is history of the single most important person. And so needless to say, these are very, very important books, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they are known as the Synoptic Gospels, as they talk a lot about similar events coming just from different perspectives. And then John is kind of lumped in his own as John is a Gospel, which talks a lot about the life of Jesus, um, but he kind of takes a, a different emphasis, a different perspective, which we'll talk about in a minute. And then we'll end today talking about Acts, life after the ascension of Jesus' death, his resurrection, and his ascension into heaven. And so we're going to spend the rest of this morning breaking down each of these different books and kind of the unique perspectives that each of these books provide to us. So we start with Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. Matthew is believed to have been written uh, by Matthew, uh, the apostle uh, who is also known as Levi. He's known more so as Levi uh, throughout uh, the recordings of the Gospels. You might recall him being the tax collector. That's the guy who wrote the book of Matthew. And so this guy has a really, really cool perspective on the life of Jesus because he was one of Jesus' 12 closest followers. He hung around Jesus day after day after day. And so he's going to know a lot about who Jesus is, what he taught, and what he did throughout his life. And now Matthew, he wrote, Matthew a Jew, he wrote this specifically for other people. Jews. This this was not specifically intended for Gentile eyes. Gentile being anybody basically other than a Jew. And so Matthew is writing this to the Jews, the kind of the the, the center, the the central figure outside of God in the Old Testament. And I love that Matthew is the first book of the New Testament because he beautifully transitions the Old Testament, focus on the Israelites, the people of God, and we focus into Jesus, who is the fulfillment of all of these different promises and prophecies talked about in the Old Testament. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 starts, the, the, the beginning of the New Testament starts so wonderfully by stating the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. 
So here Matthew, as he is writing to a group of Jews, these group of Jews, they've been encountered by many people claiming that they were the Messiah. They were the one, the chosen one of God who was going to save the Jewish population. And time and time and time again, the Jews were let down. They were deceived by these false messiahs. And so if we put ourselves in their shoes, in the shoes of uh, the Jews, we can understand why there'd be hesitancy to accept Jesus as the Christ. Because lots of other people claimed to be the Christ and they were all wrong. And so a lot of people just perceived Jesus as another person claiming to be that Messiah, but a false Messiah. Well, Matthew lets them know that this Jesus, he is the son of David, the son of Abraham, the son of two of the heroes of their faith, two people in whom God made beautiful promises to. To Abraham, God promised that he would raise up uh, his offspring into a great nation in which all people would be blessed by him. Those who, who bless him would be blessed. Those who curse him will be cursed. To David, about a thousand years later, about a thousand BC, God promised to David that, listen up, David, your offspring, your children will establish a kingdom and a throne that will be established forever. It will have no end, unlike every other single kingdom and every other single throne found on earth. And here, Matthew is telling these Jews, listen up, guys, this is the guy. This is the offspring. He is the son of David. He is the son of Abraham. And so this helps provide evidence uh, to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah, a reality that was very hard for a lot of the the Jews to come to grips with. And again, I I cannot blame them. The Jews get a lot of flack from a lot of people as we study in uh, this material thousands of years ago, 2,000 years ago, in a completely different culture and completely different perspective. Uh, But I can sympathize uh, with these Jews um, as they didn't have all the answers right then and there. But here, thanks to the writings of Matthew, we can get some evidence that, hey, this is the real deal. This is the Messiah. And so there's arguably no better way to start off uh, the New Testament. It's like God knew what he was doing uh, when he inspired Matthew uh, to write these words. And so, Matthew, so, so since Matthew is writing uh, to the Jews, he puts an emphasis on Jesus being the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Jesus himself says, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill what has been written. And so that's a big emphasis throughout uh, the book of Matthew, that this guy fulfills much of what has been written in the Old Testament. And throughout the book of Matthew, we also see that Jesus takes on this role as being king of the Jews. About 20 times in these 28 chapters, Jesus is referred to as a king, <laughs> a title that would have been very hard uh, for uh, the Jews to accept as well, as many of them didn't believe that he was the Messiah. And then finally, also as we uh, read throughout uh, the book of Matthew, we see there's a big emphasis, not necessarily on who uh, Jesus is, or not a big emphasis necessarily on uh, what he did, but there was a big emphasis on what he taught. 
If you want to hear from the lips of Jesus what he thought about life and the important matters of life, then you should dig through uh, the book of Matthew. We see a lot of his teachings, his sermons, and a lot of his parables. Uh, Greatest sermon uh, in all of history found in the book of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. So we take a, a deep dive into what he taught as a teacher, as a rabbi, as a prophet, as someone who spoke the words of God. So that's the book of Matthew. The very next book is the book of Mark, the second gospel. And now the second gospel is uh, thought to have uh, been written by a guy named Mark, uh, John Mark. And Mark was a guy who accompanied uh, Peter uh, very closely. We, we read about that later on, like in, in the book of Acts. And so Mark has another interesting perspective. It's unique. It's different from Matthew, who was one of uh, Jesus' 12 followers. But instead, Mark, he is buddies with Jesus' best friend. It's his closest follower, and Mark has accompanied Peter in many of his travels. So I can just imagine uh, as they're going on their different journeys, the stories that Peter would have told Mark. Listen, listen to this, uh, Mark. Jesus did X, Y, and Z. And, and those stories would have been so awesome to hear. And that's the perspective of Mark, a guy who was very close to Jesus' best friend. And now, unlike Matthew, Mark doesn't really have a specific target audience. Matthew's for the Jews, but Mark isn't necessarily for the Jews. It's not necessarily for the Gentiles. It's for anybody that, that wants to read it. It was intended for anybody that wanted to hear about the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And the book of Mark is actually believed to be the first book of the New Testament. Matthew uh, t- is organized before, takes place before uh, the book of Mark and how we read the New Testament because of how beautifully it transitions from the Old to New Testament. But Mark's believed to be the first uh, book written in the New Testament. And it's very plausible that both Matthew and Luke uh, took excerpts from the book of Mark uh, to help compose uh, their books that they used to write about the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And now these other gospels as well, they contain long discourses and sermons uh, from the lips of Jesus. Uh, But Mark, he's all about action. He's all about go, go, go. We see a lot of what Jesus did in his life, not as much as what he taught or who he is. So there's a lot of historical narrative in the book of Mark. If you're someone who likes historical narrative, you like to read a story, then the book of Mark is for you, as it reads just like a novel, where we get to see what did Jesus do from the beginning of his ministry to the end of his ministry. It's event after event after event of what Jesus did. And then we stumble across Luke, the third synoptic gospel uh, in the Bible. Luke is actually the longest book of the New Testament. And that makes a lot of sense uh, once we know a bit about who Luke is as a person, as Luke was a physician. And physicians, doctors, they need to be very detailed in their line of work. 
I don't know about you, but I don't want a doctor uh, operating on me if they keep things simple like me. I'm a simple person. I don't like to get into the nitty-gritty details a lot, but uh, that's great for a lot of things. But that's not what I want my doctor to be. I want my doctor to make sure he knows which artery he's performing on, which vein, which bone, what muscle, whatever it may be. And Luke himself being a physician, he was very detailed in his work. He, He wrote a lot of the details of the life of Jesus and which resulted to be the longest book of uh, the New Testament. And Luke kind of sought out uh, to, to come away with an orderly account of his life, ministry, death, and resurrection. And Luke was actually not a Jew. And Luke was writing to someone uh, very specific. We don't really know much about him at all. His name is Theophilus, um, but whoever this guy was, Luke was writing this uh, letter, basically, to this guy named Theophilus, who, who was not a Jew himself, who was a Gentile. So this book can be very applicable uh, for us as well, as it was intended for someone who was not a Jew, which I'm guessing uh, that uh, would fulfill most of us in here. And so that's the book of Luke, a detailed account in the life of Jesus, the longest book in uh, the New Testament, and it's written from one Gentile to another Gentile. And so as you read through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you're going to find a lot of similarities as they're talking a lot about the same events, the same things that Jesus did, and the same things that Jesus taught. That's why they're called the Synoptic Gospels. And then we stumble across the fourth gospel, the book of John. Um, John is thought to have been written uh, by the apostle uh, John himself. Uh, Peter, James, and John, those were Jesus' three closest disciples. And so again, we get a unique perspective of someone who spent a lot of time with Jesus. And the reason why the Gospel of John is a good bit different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Matthew, Mark, and Luke spent a lot of time on the what. What did Jesus do and what did Jesus teach? The book of John focuses on the question of who. Who is Jesus? And he takes a very deep dive taking a look at who is this man, Jesus of Nazareth, claiming to be the Messiah, claiming to be the Christ, the Savior, the Son of God. And let me tell you, a lot of people are scared of the book of John. Scared of the book of John uh, because of chapters like chapter 1, his prologue to the book. Uh, There's some confusing aspects. He's digging deep into the material. This is is like the meat and potatoes of who Jesus is. We're, we're, We're digging deep into who he is in the book of John. And because of this, there's a lot of misunderstanding, it appears, and there's lots of confusion as to what exactly John is talking about uh, through his book. Fortunately for us, we, know, we can know exactly why John wrote this book. I can tell you definitively why John wrote this book, and the reason I can do that is because John himself tells us why he wrote this book. If you look uh, at, in John chapter 20, verse 31, 
If we just understand the purpose of his writing this book, I think that would clear a lot of misunderstanding um, in his book. In John chapter 20, uh, verse 31, near the end of his account on who Jesus is, he writes, but these are written, so he wrote this book, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's why John wrote this book. He wrote this book so that you and I could believe that A, Jesus is the Christ, and B, that Jesus is the Son of God. And we have this living and active faith and belief that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God, then we may have life in his name. I'm a simple guy. It doesn't get any more complicated than that. That is why he wrote this book, so that you could believe that he's the Christ, that he is the Son of God. And as I mentioned, a lot of people are scared of uh, the book of John because of some of the complexities uh, that he dives into. Uh, But I hesitate to say this because I want you guys to dive into all the scriptures. Uh, But personally, John is my favorite uh, book of the Bible. I absolutely love the book of John. As I think a lot of people get many misunderstandings, misconceptions of who Jesus is in reading the book of John, but when I read through the book of John, it cannot be any more clear that he is the Christ, he is the chosen one of God, and that he is the son of God. He, he's not necessarily God himself, but he is the son of God. He, he, he is the begotten son of God. He is someone who was sent by God. Jesus himself claims that Yahweh is his God. When he's talking to Mary after his resurrection, he said, don't cling to me, Mary. I'm not yet ascended to my father and your father, to my God and your God. So Jesus had a God there. And, and, and again, it could not be any more clear to me in reading through this book of John of who Jesus is. He's the Christ. He is the Son of God. There is nobody, nobody like Christ Jesus. Not a single being in heaven or on earth that is like Jesus. He's on a level of his own where we have God, the Father, we have his Son, Jesus Christ, and everybody else falls below uh, the two of them. So we kind of understand the hierarchy throughout uh, this book of John. And again, that's a big reason as to why I love the book of John. If you're someone who likes to dig deep into the theology, uh, the understanding of different doctrines, John is a wonderful book. And I warn you that, yeah, a lot of people get hung up on this book with a lot of the uh, complicated material in the book of John. So those are the four Gospels. They're known as the Gospels, the good news, because again, it's through the life of Jesus that we have access to God's kingdom. And so after we're done exploring the life of Jesus through four unique perspectives, we uh, turn to the book of Acts. And Acts is one of my uh, favorite books of the Bible as well. As we just got done talking about all about what Jesus did, what he taught, and who he is. And now, uh, after reading these four uh, accounts of the Gospels, we understand that Jesus, he uh, was crucified on the cross, he was resurrected, and then he ascended to the right hand of God. And so Jesus is no longer on earth ministering with his followers. And that's where Acts picks up in chapter 1. We get to see how his followers respond to who Jesus was, to what he did, and what he taught. 
And uh, let me tell you, uh, we should be proud uh, uh, of Jesus' followers in the book of Acts. These are heroes of our faith. Guys like Peter and Paul who took this mission of spreading this good news that they had the good news of the kingdom made possible through, through God's son, Jesus. They took it very seriously. That was the core of their purpose, the core of the life to get this message out to everyone to get it out as many people as possible. And throughout the book of Acts, uh, one of the, the longer books of the New Testament as well, we see how this uh, gospel of the kingdom, it spreads like wildfire. It starts off in Judea, and then we see that it spreads to Samaria, and then we see that it extends to the ends of the earth, and Caesarea, Antioch, Asia Minor, Greece, and Rome, all these different places that this message of Jesus is is spread throughout as these people are on fire for Christ Jesus and his heavenly father, Yahweh. And it is so awesome to see these accounts of these people taking their faith so seriously. I wish that the church in America mirrored the church in Acts. That is a church that I want to be, is, is, is the church found in the book of Acts, because they took their faith so, so seriously. They met day by day. They uh, fellowshiped together. They spread the gospel of the kingdom together as a church. This is the uh, birth of the official church. And so Acts is an awesome book, one of my uh, favorite books of the Bible as well, as we see the followers of Jesus take this message and it spreads like wildfire. So those are the first five books of the New Testament. It actually composes about half of the New Testament as there a lot of the other uh, books of the New Testament, they are very short. We have a couple of books that are only one uh, chapter long. But these are five really, really central and important books throughout the Bible. And if you can come away with a better understanding of these four Gospels and the book of Acts, you are well on your way to understanding how to read the Bible, to getting rid of that instance where you're at your house, you're sitting on your couch, and you're reading the Bible for five, 10, or 15 minutes. And hopefully we can eliminate the instance where you ask, what in the world did I just read? Let's go ahead and let's close in prayer. Father, we love you. Uh, Father, I thank you for the words that are written in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. And Father, I just pray uh, for North Hills Church. I pray for Church of God General Conference. I pray for the church in America. I pray for the church throughout the entire world, your church. I pray that we can begin to understand who you are, Father, that we can understand who your Son is, we can understand the promises that you have set before each and every one of us. And Father, I pray that this hope of the kingdom that's made available to us through your Son, Jesus, I pray that hope drives us day in and day out where we seek to grow, grow closer to you, Father, and we seek to expand your coming kingdom. Father, we pray your, your son may return soon. That's in his name that we pray. Amen.